1: I'm being told I'm not allowed to open the show the way I want to, so we're going to just go ahead and do this normally. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I'm Harry Broadhurst. I'm back. I want to thank Brandon Biscubing for filling in for me as the host last week. Oh, this? This right here? Oh, this is the Wrestling to the Max 205 Live review you're listening to here. Should probably have led off the show with that. Oh, well, it happens. Again, I'm Harry. Again, thanks to Brandon for filling in. Hi, Wait a minute. You're not...
0: (laughs) I'm back. Like Sorry I imagine you pop- killing your thunder.
1: I imagine you popping up shining style as you say that. <laughs> followed, followed by a De Niro and Kate Fear. Come out, come out, wherever you are.
0: Or or two uh, two chicks behind me.
1: Anywho, he's Brandon Biscuping again. Welcome back,
0: Brandon. Thank you.
1: Nice to have you here. Appreciate you filling in for Liz this week. Unfortunately, Liz had some technical difficulties with her electronic equipment. I can sympathize. The end of the SmackDown review will uh, tell you just as much. (laughs) But we're here to talk about 205 Live now. So what do you say we go ahead and get into 205 Live here since we don't have a pay-per-view to discuss before the show itself? Let's do it. All right. So our opening contest for 205 Live this week is a tag team match player. As Kalisto and Grand Metalique, every time I say tag match, I'm going to follow with the Teddy Long special. Anywho, Kalisto and Grand Metalik take on Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. Uh, Kendrick and Gallagher are disqualified due to too much Brian Kendrick butt kicking, and then they proceed to take out Grand Metalik with arguably the dumbest looking spot I've seen in months. <laughs> like I get the idea here. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to completely crap on this, because I get the idea. The fact of the steps into the knee, into the ring post, I get it. But that dropkick could not have looked any weaker if he tried.
0: (laughs) Um, Am I wrong? Am I imagining this? No, you're not wrong. But, um, yeah, I mean, honestly before the, you know, disqualification and subsequent beatdown, I was gonna say that this match is was a very good match. Um, it's always fun seeing, especially in the Cruiserweight division where everyone expects them to be, you know, one style. Uh, it's always fun to see, you know, a very high-flying type of guy, like, you know, well, or tag team like Kalisto and Grandma Metalik are. And then you've got the ground and pound, you know, very, you know, technical uh, duo of Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. So it's that, it's that, it's two distinctive and, and opposite styles that, you know, make this, made this match quite entertaining to watch. Um, and then you got the, the whole, uh, you know, uh, disqualification and then beat down following.
1: I believe the word you're looking for is shenaniganery.
0: Yes. Yes. The shenanigans.
1: Uh, The match itself I thought was okay. Um, I'm not really a huge fan of uh, Brian Kendrick in the cruiserweight division specifically working with traditional high flyers such as this against somebody who's more capable of going on the ground such as a Cedric Alexander such as a Drew Gulek, such as a Tony Nee, such as a even though we're not supposed to say his name right now Rich Swan, I would be okay with because they're able to keep things interested with a more grounded style as well but with somebody like Kalisto uh, and Green Metalik who rely on their high flying antics in order to keep a crowd involved when you have a match such as this where they're more or less grounded for a very large portion of the match, it results in the crowd sitting on their hands even more than they traditionally do for their, for these contests.
0: See, this is why, and Liz and I talked about this last week, and she said that you two have talked about this ad nauseum, but this is why 205, I feel, at least on a crowd level, would be much more suited to play out at uh, Full sale because those fans are more in tune with the various style of wrestling. And when you had those conflicts of style, um, and you got it a couple of times in the Cruiserweight Classic, um, you know, they understood it and they appreciated it more and you didn't have them just sitting on their hands.
1: Yeah, I feel like them having these matches in front of half-empty arenas where crowds are sitting on their hands are doing nothing to translate the action to the home viewer. Because there are some... There are some really good matches on Two Hundred Five Live that don't get the justification and the due that they deserve due to the fact that these crowds just do not care.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, scale of zero to five, much the same way as we did on SmackDown. Entertainment rating, not star rating. Let's state that for the record.
0: Uh, I'm gonna say it. I, I'll give it a four. Like I said, you know, it was a good. It, it was a good match um, leading up to you know the disqualification uh entertaining match uh with the contrast of styles and then um you know the while while it was poorly executed the the concept of the beat down and and the crushing between ring post and stairs you know it it works and you know it it continues this whole storyline between the four <sighs>
1: Uh, I, I can't go that high. I, I I thought the match did tell a good story, and the post-match beatdown told the story as well of the promo that Kendrick and Gallagher cut before the match, so I appreciate that. I like the continuity of uh, Gallagher and Kendrick backing up what they say they're going to do before the match, but at the same time, When you look at kind of the slower pacing of this match here, when you look at the way that the match itself took the crowd out of the contest, I'm going to go somewhere around a two and a half in regards to my overall entertainment value for this match.
0: I mean, like I said, I think part of that is the fact that, you know, the the crowds that are watching 205 in these larger arenas are expecting, you know, WCW type Uh, cruiserweights where it's all about the high flying and they don't understand that you can have contrasting styles and stuff. And plus, they're kind of dead on their feet anyway because WWE has kind of uh, programmed the fans and even the fans that like 205 Live like myself, they've kind of programmed us to not really care about 205.
1: Our next contest is the two hundred five. Wait, we have a uh, we have a backstage segment to talk about first. Here, Enzo Amore is upset with Drew Gulak and uh, Arya Davari De- De Niro. Hmm. Gulak takes the blame for what happened against Alexander last night, whereas DeNiro uh, Davari De just kind of stands there. Gulak gets fired up, and Enzo says to him, "That's the kind of passion that you need to have when you're riding on the Zoe train." Back ringside and. How do I put this in a PG radio station? I don't think there is a PG way to put this. A deo Atomi kills a bitch. <laughs> That's what happens. And ironically enough, the one that he kills, his name is Colin Delaney, who I was unaware was a cruiserweight. You learn something new every day. Apparently, a Wikipedia search tells me he's 172 pounds. <laughs>
0: I mean, what did you really expect with a, you know, very hyped uh, debut match for someone that I'm thinking and hoping that WWE will push quite uh, powerfully uh, on 205 and may even get some main roster crossover with him, as we saw on Raw this past week?
1: Yeah, I think... uh... I think Tommy could be one of those guys that kind of transcends the boundaries of 205 Live much the same way Enzo kind of does.
0: Well, but we'll, we'll have to see how long that lasts because they were doing that with Enzo for, you know, what, like the first couple of weeks that he was on 205 Live and now he's pretty much exclusively at 205. Well, he does still have his interactions with Naya. Check That's him. true. That's true, but then to be fair, you know, we've had interactions between 205 and Raw from the get-go with Noam, Dar, and Alicia.
1: Or uh, Akira Tozawa being a part of the Titus brand.
0: That's true, that's true.
1: Where is Akira Tozawa, by the way?
0: He has disappeared after his title.
1: I miss Akira.
0: So do I, so do I. um, So...
1: Apparently, the uh, the answer to the question of how long until the Smarks chant CM Punk after Go to Sleep, his debut.
0: <laughs> I was just about to ask that very question. I did not hear it, but I guess they did. Oh,
1: there were a very vocal contingent that very loudly chanted CM Punk after a Tommy hit Go to Sleep. To what I would point out to those Smarks, that um, creator of the move. <laughs>
0: Oh, I know this, but I was going to ask that very question because when it comes to people who think WWE first above everything else, they're going to think CM Punk when they see the GTS. Honestly, I mean, I'm sure it's something in Atami's contract where he's like, you're not stealing this from me. But like, I'm not surprised with the vendetta that Vince has against Punk right now that he's not like jumping at the gun to try to change that change his finisher
1: well i mean in fairness he has used uh go to sleep in nxt before as well so i'm not well, uh, i
0: know this and and remember back when during uh takeover chicago everyone was thinking that we were gonna hear a bunch of cm punk chants when he hit it there
1: yeah he was in the heavyweight title match at takeover chicago against bobby root as a matter of fact
0: yes, yes he was Alright, um,
1: it's nice to see Colin Delaney. I actually kind of hope he sticks around. Got it. Thank you, Brandon Buzzkill. <laughs> Sorry. Congratulations. Instead of Bizco, you're now Buzzkill from now on on the W2M. I'm Buzzkillington now? Yes. In the uh, oh god, what was the name of the what was the name of the company? I just bought the building in Family Guy Quest for Stuff. Son of a biscuit! Why can't I remember? <laughs> uh, if you don't play it, by the way, I recommend the Quest for Stuff Family Guy one.
0: Uh, I I, I play. wish my phone could actually handle it. All right.
1: Moving on. Enzo Amore is interviewed, and he's talking about delivering a learning experience. Cedric Alexander cuts him off and mentions the fact that there's only one word to describe Enzo Amore. Enzo agrees and says that there was only one word to describe him, and that word is champion, which I actually thought was a nice little take on uh, Cedric trying to get one over on Enzo. Mm-hmm. Enzo's out now to the ring because apparently this literally is the Enzo Amore show, even though he's not wrestling. And he brings out Drew Gulak, who instead of having a PowerPoint presentation for us tonight, darn it, is ready to fight. All right. So it makes sense that he's willing, wanting to get revenge here. But I do love me some Gulak PowerPoints. Of course. True story. As me and Liz have talked about many times before, Gulak is the shining star of 205 Live right now.
0: Liz told me last week that they did actually tweet out to him, but I said on the 205 uh, review last week that I would love to see WWE get a sponsorship deal with Microsoft and have him do commercials for Microsoft Office.
1: Especially if there's a bunch of WWE shenanigans happening in the background while he's trying to promote his PowerPoint presentations. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Uh, Your main event match is a rematch of said cruiserweight match from Monday Night Raw, as it is Drew Gulak taking on Cedric Alexander. And to borrow a line from Paul here, Drew Gulak is a goddamn professional. Okay, this requires a little bit of explanation to you as you're the new guy here. Uh, Long-time listeners of the 205 Live Review will understand what I'm saying here. The original GDP was Brian Kendrick for the way that he took the lumbar check. Mm-hmm. Because when Brian Kendrick took the lumbar check in that five-way elimination match a couple of months ago, he Raw Van Dam pile driver bumped off of it like sprung back into the air. Hmm. Drew Gulak did the same thing tonight for the finish. As soon as that lumbar check landed, Gulak bounced about a foot up into the air before finally coming down to the
0: mat. I I, I always love and and The Rock was always the was always the man when it came to this, when it came to the stunner, but it, it's always fun seeing, uh, people overselling finishers.
1: Uh, I'm going to disagree here. Cause I actually thought rock stunner. cell was kind of hokey.
0: It was, but it was fun too. Oh, all,
1: all right. The, man, I really am the Christmas Grinch here at WT.
0: You really hard tonight.
1: God, <laughs> Screw you, Dollar Gent. Anyways, moving <laughs> on. All right. So the match itself. What did you think?
0: I mean, it was a it was a decent match. It it told the story that it needed to. Nothing super crazy, you know. Yeah, the Gulak, uh, super selling of the lumbar check was fun. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing over the top. Really, you know, memorable about this match. But it was a good, solid match. Uh,
1: Super Crazy? I don't think he's under 205 anymore. (laughs) The the last I saw Super Crazy, he had put on a few, so I don't think he qualifies for 205. Oh, you mean the match itself. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Diversion. Actually, I I thought this was at least as good as their match from Monday Night Raw. The problem was is that, uh, again, this crowd. Mm Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, you put this match in Full Sail in front of the crowd that's traditionally – and I hate the Full Sail crowd with a burning passion a lot of the time because they make it all about themselves. This is one of those matches, though, that Full Sail would have responded really well to. Mm-hmm. This is one of those matches that if this this was something that you could have expected to see at the Cruiserweight Classic and it would have not felt out of place. Exactly. This is the kind of match that the WWE should be promoting the Cruiserweight division with here because this was entertaining back and forth and then beating the crap out of each other, which strikes as well.
0: The, the one the one spot that was fun, too, and and I w- I wish they would kind of promote this um, some more and this would be a good way um, to start a Gulak face turn, which Liz and I talked about last week. Um, but like him going up to the top rope and then like being iffy about it and it costing him matches over and over again, because this is like at least the second time that I can think of that he's been on the top rope and then hesitated. And then, you know, he's,
1: that's because he's violating Drew, Drew Gulak rule number two for a Drew Topia.
0: Oh, no, I understand this completely, but that would be a good way to get. Like that would be a good way to start a face turn for him is him, you know, starting to realize that this is costing him matches and like, you know, him finally starting to become more of a high flyer again.
1: The problem with that is Gulak has never really been a high flyer. Somebody who's oh paid no, attention.
0: I understand this, but like more more than what he is, like not hesitating on on the top rope and stuff like that.
1: So what you're saying is, let him diversify his moveset to expand towards moves that aren't just specifically mat based. Because I don't think there's, I don't think there's a wrestler in the division, and there might not be a wrestler in the company that can hang on the mat with Drew Gulak. Oh
0: no, of course not. But let him diversify and not be so ground based, and and then you know that would be a way to get him to start you know maybe winning more and being a face,
1: yeah entertainment value rating for this match
0: um i'll give it a 3.5 um you know like i said you know before the finish and whatnot nothing too crazy or too memorable but the finish like i mentioned with him uh going up to the top and then you know him deciding not to jump and that costing costing him the match and and then his uh his selling of the lumbar check was, was fun as well. So it was a decent match.
1: Yeah. See, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think you, uh, I think you overrated the tag team opener. This is the match to me that I would have given a four out of five. Because I found myself invested entirely in this match. During the rest of the show, I was kind of doing other stuff. I was talking to people on the Facebook chat. I was checking on the results in the news and stuff in order to prepare for the SmackDown Live review. I was doing a couple of different things. That match right there, the Alexander and Gulak rematch from Monday Night Raw, had my attention from opening bell to close. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and give that a four. Uh, post-match, Enzo talks smack, Cedric calls him into the ring, Enzo, Enzo's, about to, Enzo, Enzo's about to do so when devari De Niro attempts to attack from behind and proceeds to get lumbar checked for his trouble as well. We end up with a shouting contest between Cedric and Enzo, Enzo backing away, wrapping his arm around devari while Gulak is kind of standing at a distance. The symbolism of that was not lost on me. Out of the members of the ZO Train, it is blatantly obvious that Enzo favors Davari the most, mm-hmm. and I think going forward, especially if, once Tony Nice returns, it's going to be something that plays a factor in the eventual breakup of the ZO Train as well.
0: Yeah, I think it. Well, I mean, Davari was the first one to join the ZO Train, so you, that I sense. believe you would be correct in saying that. Yeah. Um, but so I, it it would be interesting. Um. And Liz and I talked about this last week, too. Um, I don't know if they have the time for it, um, especially with how they handle most of the roster, but it would be interesting to see a tag title come into play and see Gulak and Nice as a tag team um, and have them break away from the train and maybe have a feud between Enzo and Divari and, and Gulak and Nice.
1: I, I it's it's going to depend on whether or not they let decide to let the two oh five live guys cross over into the main brand because we've talked about this before with uh and this is a recurring theme here, especially when we have a guest host here is it's concepts that come up multiple on multiple occasions because to us as viewers they're blatantly obvious, if not necessarily to the booking of the shows themselves there. Um Akira Tozawa and Apollo Crews going after the ta- after the raw tag team titles would have made perfect sense to me.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I get what I I get at least, you know, this is kind of feeling more of on an idealistic level and and thinking about it, you know, maybe incorrectly on a, you know, Indian, mo- mo- mostly Japanese level. Um, but I like the separation personally, because, you know, once they basically get folded into uh if they ever do end up just getting folded into the raw roster with the exception of maybe a few guys every, like you know 75% of them will probably get cut if that ever happens um so i don't want you know that whole tournament to basically become useless
1: to more or less become all for naught. No, I understand exactly what you're saying with that. I completely agree here. Oh, by the way, something that we did not talk about, and I just saw the video for this on 411 Mania, to whoever the jackass was that threw a water bottle at Kalisto, screw you.
0: I did not see that.
1: It, the video's up on 411 Mania.
0: Okay, I'll have to look at it after this.
1: What happens is, is Gallagher and Kendrick are walking out after laying out Grand Metalik. The camera cuts back to Kalisto just in time to see a fan whip a water bottle and hit him in the face. While while Brandon's looking that up, why don't we go ahead and put a final rating on tonight's episode of 205 Live. Scale of 1 to 10.
0: Um, I'll give it a five and a half. I mean, it had some, uh, some fun, fun moments. Uh, you know, it was nice seeing, uh, to, or it was nice seeing Atami come in, um, get more Japanese flair. Like that, that would have been another thing we were talking about the tight, the whole tag team thing. It would be, you know, it would be a lot of fun to see, you know, basically like a, a Japanese invasion, you know, of, you know, Atami, Tozawa, you know, if you wanted to put everyone, you know, regardless of uh, weight division in there, you know, Nakamura, you know, if, if Tajiri was still there, have him in there, after, you know. But, I'm, uh, you know, f- what...
1: Sorry, real quick there. He's not. Tajiri uh, Tajiri suffered an arm injury and hasn't been here.
0: No, I know he's not with WWE anymore. I said if he were still there.
1: Not to mention, you trying to align all the Japanese people with slightly racist, sir.
0: I'm not saying it in that sense. I'm just saying it would be fun to see.
1: Not cool, Brandon. Not cool.
0: (laughs) Very well. But, um, yeah, overall, it was a... Decent show, but nothing, you
1: know. You see, you were higher on SmackDown. I'm actually higher on 205 Live this week. I give tonight's 205 Live a 7. I really enjoyed the main event. I thought the Atomi match was exactly what it needed to be to debut him to that group of people. And... I thought the opening contest for the time that it went was entertaining, if not mildly overstaying its welcome due to the style of match that they worked. I think that might have worked better as the middle match on the show rather than the opening contest. Because when I think the 205 Live opening contest, I usually think of more of a high-flying spectacle in order to get the crowd entertained. That might be burnt out from SmackDown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But overall, I didn't have any issues with tonight's 205 Live. I thought tonight's episode was one of the better ones they've done in recent memory.
0: I mean, maybe that's just me, like, you know, just, I mean, I get that they're trying to add people, and hopefully um, hopefully, uh, Itami helps out with, you know, building up the depth and building up uh, 205, but, like, it just feels like 205 has started to fall flat a bit. Well, here's my thought,
1: too, that you mentioned there. Um, somebody that we didn't talk about or on the show real quick, and I know we were wrapping up here, but I, I kind of want to talk about this since it happened on, on Raw with the Tommy. Do you think maybe a Tommy and Balor taking a crack at the Raw tag team titles and then maybe defending them against cruiserweight tag teams on Two Hundred Five Live would be the worst idea?
0: Um, I mean, I could totally see it. Um, but like like we were talking about, they have to they have to make that decision one way or another of either saying, you know, we're going to incorporate the cruiserweights into the main raw fold while still keep, I think that's probably the best option. uh, If you wanted to expand 205 and, and have uh, more, have the, have the cruiserweights become more interactive with the main roster, have them be kind of like how Enzo was and like how Atami is right now um, where they're able to do stuff with with the other guys on Raw but then you still have 205 Live exclusively for them I could see that working
1: Like I know Balor's under 205 pounds, and I don't want to see Balor on the show on a a full-time basis because I think that would be a disservice to the talent that Balor has. But that being said, I also would not be opposed to seeing Balor and Atomi take a run at the the Raw Tag Team titles, which are currently held by Sheamus and Cesaro, and seeing eventually if Atomi and Balor were to take those titles – them to bring the belts to two o five live and defend against say uh Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher or defend them against say uh Arya Davari and Tony Nice should Arya should Tony come back as a member of the Zo train in full standing.
0: Yeah. I mean that could work Gor Gulak and Nice. Um you could have them as well. Exactly. Um I agree with you um but um See then that just
1: getting there is the problem.
0: Getting there is the problem for one and then for two like the the problem that I see with with all of that and this is more of a WWE both on a writing level and also on a casual fan level it just seems like unless unless you build it up it's gonna feel weird, you know, the raw like they're gonna want bigger dudes uh going after it too. Like it's gonna feel weird them suddenly basically exclusively facing no, off against a Cruiserweight. No,
1: I'm I'm not saying that they take on exclusively cruiserweights, but I'm saying you work the cruiserweight division into the uh into the tight team title scene if you were to have a team such as a Tommy and Balor win the belts.
0: That's true. The only, the only reason why it would be confusing is, like, you know, why would you have the Raw tag team titles be uh, defended on another show when you could just as easily do those same matches on Raw itself?
1: Well, and I would be okay with them happening on Raw, though. I'm not saying that the matches have to happen on 205 Live. I'm saying that those kind of matches happening on 205 Live would be a, def- a definite ratings boost to 205 Live, though.
0: Oh, it definitely would. Um but, you know, like I like I said, they you know, you they have to make that decision on what kind of separation they want or lack thereof between and two oh five.
1: All right, well, that's going to about do it for us here. Um, Normally, at this point, I plug my Sunday evening show, but unfortunately, that show's kind of in hiatus at present moment due to some personal issues for one of the members of the show. I won't go into specifics. It's not my business to do so. Therefore, we're hoping to return sometime early next year, but there is another show here on the W2M Network where you can hear me, and ironically enough, you can hear Brandon on the same show. (laughs) I feel like we make a habit of talking to each other At least once a week, Brandon Yes, yes we do This week it'll be two times though As tomorrow night here on the W2M Network It is episode 15 Of The Kickoff As myself, Brandon Biscabing, Eric Watkins And maybe Stephen Err Maybe, we'll see I made the same joke on Smackdown Where <laughs> <Bring> you <our> Are <laughs> our wrap up of the first week of bowl games and our preview of the next to last week of the regular season of the NFL. That'll be on the kickoff here on the W2M network. Anything else you want to plug before we get out of here, Bisco? Uh,
0: Nope. That's, that's it. Just be sure to tune in to the kickoff tomorrow. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got the last week of one of our segments uh, for this week.
1: And we have North Texas' bowl game. Sorry, <laughs> Sean. So, for Buzzkill Bisco over there, I'm Grinch Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to the Wrestling to the Max 205 Live review here on the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Some form of us will talk to you next week for SmackDown and 205 Live. Stay tuned to find out who.
0: <laughs>
1: have a good week, everyone.